I'm Ayana Contreras. On the last evening of the Blue Note Jazz Festival in Napa Valley, I sat under an old walnut tree to speak with trumpeter and activist and composer Keon Harold. His solo work, including 2017's decadent opus, The Musician, is heartfelt and otherworldly. He's played on dozens of recordings, including Beyonce's latest album, Renaissance. He's toured for decades with artists like Maxwell and D'Angelo, and he was even the stand-in player for Don Cheadle in the biopic, Miles Ahead, about Miles Davis. But most Americans first heard of him in 2020, when his then 14-year-old son was accused by Mia Pancetto of stealing her iPhone. The physical confrontation caught on video quickly went viral. In April, she pleaded guilty to unlawful imprisonment as a hate crime, a felony. At the time, he told TMZ that she's never gone on the record to apologize to my son, not once. It's traumatic to even think about. On that final day of the Blue Note Jazz Festival, he disclosed that the ramifications of the incident are still ongoing, and the conflict was particularly troubling because he and his son's mother had tried to protect his son from certain harsh realities. What I learned that day was that he is an artist and a man who is focused on possibilities and higher frequencies. My name is Keon Harold, trumpeter, composer, activist um, from St. Louis, you know? Not just St. Louis, but Ferguson, which I'm, now... You're right, more specifically, I, I have to say it now, I'm from Ferguson. I remember I used to go to Japan in different places and be like, I'm from St. Louis. But now I can say I'm Ferguson and people know Ferguson more than they know St. Louis, which is amazing. It's very interesting. But you're like my age, so you were an adult before that happened. Absolutely. I was just, I can remember being on a tour bus with Maxwell when the thing in Ferguson happened with Mike Brown and me being blown away. Um, that where I grew up, um, the barbershops and different places were being, you know, looted and, you know, on fire and everything like that. So it's a very interesting you know, juxtaposition to a kid growing up, going to buy penny candy and seeing the rest of my, you know, um, the places I remember, the nostalgic places being burnt up because of riots and stuff, because of police brutality. Did that change you in any way? Um, it definitely changed me um, because I was a new parent at the time and I could totally empathize with, with the family of Mike Brown, the mother and the father and imagining you know the worst happening to your child sending your child out and they not coming home basically being left in the street like roadkill which is you know a terrible terrible kind of thing so. we forget he was left for hours hours Folks can't see it, but it says, we don't play music, we pray music. And I'm thinking about your set and how spiritual it felt. I know people use that word spiritual in weird ways, but for me, like I felt that spirit in the music. Mm -hmm. Is like, how do you get to that space when you're performing? The way we get to the space of spirituality, um, to me, it's like communication. So as an artist, I feel like it's my job to be filled with emotions, filled with, with stories, filled with 
experiences. At that point, I can come on stage and I can empty the cup to the audience, to the people, um, whatever that is. So me trying to, you know, try to live a, a life or have high character, high values, you know, that really translates into music. At least I try to make that translate. If I don't, <laughs> I hope I do, um, that people can also have an experience and be elevated. Um, I named my my last album The, the Musician uh, under the constructs of magic and, and, and music. I feel like as artists, you know, as jazz musicians, we are the shamans of sound. We have the ability to transport people to another level. They can come in, you know, be one way and leave changed. So I don't take that for granted. So one thing I want to talk to you about, outside of your own, like, really amazing music, what I didn't realize was I was like stalking you on Instagram, low key, just low key, just low key, because I saw you had liked something I did, and I said, well, let me follow suit, let me see and see. Anyway, so I saw that you you were in the band with D'Angelo for the verses. Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you. That was amazing. I remember that very clearly because I feel like Bootsy was telling somebody else in the chat, this is what we should be listening to. This is the next generation. Wow. I know, because when the OGs be in the chat, you, you know it's and, and you know it's real because mm -hmm. ain't got no time for that bs right i remember just small chicago thing i um he was wearing that fur coat and i was watching the chat and a whole bunch of people were like why is he wearing that fur coat but everybody in chicago was like we know where he's wearing that fur coat come on come on <laughs> chicago get windy get cold get windy and you gotta look good so you come pop on. that collar and you wear that coat Bada bing. So now tell me, actually, St. Louis is not that far from there. It's a little warmer. Mm -hmm. Well, a little bit. A little you know, bit. You I, a think, little I think St. Louis has extreme weather, but Chicago is, I don't it's a little bit like dry. St. Louis gets really cold. Chicago gets very cold. Mm -hmm. St. Louis fair. gets humid. Chicago is very humid. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's different. But Chicago's <laughs> vibe, though, is special. Thank you. I and I envy that. all my friends who grew up there because they're all super cool. Right? You, I just saw you with Isaiah Sharkey. Absolutely. He's sure. Isaiah Sharkey is one of the most incredible musicians on the planet today. And, you know, we work together with D'Angelo. We work together with Chris Daddy Dave and the drum heads. And we just, you know, we've been collaborating for a long time now. Such a special dude. <laughs> LinkedIn to do um, Don Cheadle's parts in Miles Ahead. Um, Miles Ahead. Um, I got asked by Rob Glassman. He was he was doing the film score, um, but they needed somebody who could play the trumpet and and honor Miles Davis in the right kind of way. Um, I can remember doing demos and different things for them to play for like the estate. And sometimes they were fooled, um, you know, because to me, I got roped in it because they knew I could do it. Don Cheadle and Rob, Rob, Rob put it out there. Obviously, they they could they could have asked anybody to do it, but when I went in, you know, they were like, "Yo, he got it." And I happened to be from St. Louis and having that lineage, knowing that you know Miles was one of the first bands he played with was a, a guy named um, Eddie Randall. 
and the Blue Devils, which is my family. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 was a whole. It was a lot of different connections that that really worked well. So, oh, that's you know, so cool. That, that's how I got involved with that, and that was an amazing project. this particular festival is that it's got younger question mark people like a couple of generations of mm -hmm. younger people mm -hmm. um, so it's got people you know like late 30s early 40s like kind of that vanguard hip-hop jazz fusion generation mm -hmm. and then the generation that was inspired by them mm -hmm. so it kind of feels like we're backstage it kind of or in the little um, artist area it kind of feels like a reunion slash you're my hero oh, slash it's absolutely Backstage is a, is a is a melting pot of all the generations. I mean, you got James Poison, who we used to listen to as a, as a producer, as an artist with with D'Angelo to Lauryn Hill to everybody else to come. And the first time I met him was I was I got the call to, again Chicago. Got a chance. My first professional gig was working with Common, and James Poison was an inspiration on like Water for Chocolate, and then sometimes he would play in the band. And you know, just seeing him is just a, a an amazing thing. You got DJ Jazzy Jeff walking around, then you got Robert Glass, but then you got Elena Penderhughes, who's super young but super amazing. Then you got Kristen Scott, and you know, just and and so many amazing people walking around. Derek Hodge, Chris Daddy Dave, and Come you. On. Oh, and me. I'm walking around too. I'm having an incredible, incredible time. And you know, Dead Press walking around the back and Nas and so many people. And this melting pot of culture is is something special. And I can only imagine what this is going to turn to next. The collaborations that are come up, coming coming away from just the backstage chats. At least for myself, I'm sure it's going down. That's a good point. One of the things we're just both watching. Chief Ajua, and one of the things he said is this is like a reevaluation, a re like imagining of what quote unquote jazz music can be as it enters in the second century mm -hmm. of the music. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that? Do you feel like you're a part of that? I totally feel like I'm, um, I play a role in what's happening um, and what music, what not just music, but what jazz can be. I mean, there's you know sayings of jazz is dead or whatever. I, I don't believe that. I feel like jazz is simply you know evolving to what it what it needs to be whatever the name is the name could actually never even categorize or, or codify the the emotions the sounds the harmonies the rhythms that we are creating um i i, I think even naming it is, is limiting what it is that we do we do good music and it's soul music and it's music for the heart so whatever that is i want to be a part of that that dopeness you can call it jazz call it hip-hop r&b neo soul it doesn't even matter to me long as we again going back to your idea about spiritual spirituality that we are able to share these visceral feelings visceral vibes i call it visceral reality that's what i call it the music that i like to be associated with stuff that changes people stuff that gives people another angle another perspective i think that's so real because you know sometimes people talk about music like oh i like the beat 
but maybe they're not thinking about the energy mm -hmm. that they're absorbing mm -hmm. through the music. Absolutely. And I don't know, I call myself a jazz head person because it's mm -hmm. like if I had to pick, uh -huh. right? Like that would be what I would pick. I got about 10,000 records. And what? I know. Come to Chicago. When am I coming over? Come to Chicago. Yes. So I do an all vinyl show, and part of what I and I part of what is so important to me is when we're putting out that vibe, whatever I'm DJing, whatever I'm doing, like I'm putting out like the energy's got to be right. It's mm -hmm. not about the beat. I mean, you know, it's the beat, but it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's about feeding people, nourishing people, mm -hmm. and getting them to come on. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's so interesting. Tell me about um, your inspirations because so you grew up 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you were listening to hip hop and one of your earliest like professional gigs was with Common on Like Water for Chocolate. How do you, that's insane. Yeah. I'm tripping on that because you had to have been, I'm doing the math here because I know how old I was. So you had to have been like 20, around 20? Yeah, 19. Well, I was 18 when I got the gig to play with Common. Obviously Roy Hargrove couldn't go on the tour. He did the album. But you right. know he needed a, a stunt double, and that was that was me. Wow, that's so um, interesting. That's you know, a blessing. Absolutely, and the connections around how that happened. You know, we're here at the Blue Note Festival. A lot of it has to do with the great Robert Glasper. Even that collaboration with me and Common was my friendship with Rob. Me, me, Robert Glasper, and Terrence Martin. We all met the same day at a jazz camp in Colorado. The spot called Bell Jazz Camp. We all met there. And have been friends, brothers, colleagues, the whole nine ever since then. But when I went to the new school, because Rob went to the new school, um, you know, Common was asked, "Do you know another young trumpet player who, you know, who can handle this?" And that's how I got involved in doing that. You know, before that, I wanted to be the next great straight-ahead jazz trumpet player. And then, you know, my wish was to, you know, pattern myself like Wynn Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard, which. I still do, but is is that the road that I took? I'm, I I I got into hip hop production. I got into other things that was, um, you know, different than the, the way that I would normally take. You know, That's I had so I had to learn about Fela. I had to get into you know the breakbeats. I need to I need to know who Premier was. I need to know who Dilla was. Like, you know, on that tour, I remember getting um, Welcome to Detroit. Somebody bringing the vinyl on the bus. Like, yo. The new slum village just dropped. Like, come on. Like, I, I can remember that stuff. That's so interesting. Like, that's the thing that I don't think um, everybody understands. That there is, like, this other complete path. It's not just a, you know, side project, occasional record. Like, there's a whole world of this type of mm -hmm. jazz-inspired, hip-hop-inspired mm -hmm. music. It's mm -hmm. not like a gimmick. Esque music. Esque. Esque. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But you, you're right. Like, I think when I first really started being in tune with it was Soul Quarians mm -hmm. in that moment. I remember Vibe Magazine. It was an article. And did, did, you, did you ever see this where they had everybody? They had Bilal. They yeah, had yeah. right? They I remember had, that the Soul Quarians picture. Yeah, that Soul Quarians picture. It was up on my wall. Yeah. Common, Erica. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was... For that moment, it was almost like what is that? Great day. Great day in Harlem. Almost. Kind of vibe. Yeah. For sure, that was a great day in hip hop. A great day, not even just hip hop. A great day in music. You know. Yeah. It was beautiful. 
somebody on the bill is someone they're attracted to mm -hmm. and there's obviously some people who are really into like this is like the epicenter mm -hmm. of the music because I know like for me as soon as they dropped that set list I was like okay who can I write a piece for to get out here come you know? on come <laughs> on come on I mean honestly that was what it was because it was like it, it felt almost like Black Party like mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle's Black Party That's in a way indeed. but like the updated version of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, this place is just, I don't know it's magical talking about like it's kind of almost like Newport in that it's mm -hmm. like sort of a destination mm -hmm. it seems like it was planned for that mm -hmm. like something special yeah this this I've never played in a winery like this before but just to have people you know from all backgrounds come and experience the artist um, the, the high level um, of curation that is here um, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Shout out to Robert Glasp and his whole team for putting this thing together and the Blue Note and everybody else who dreamed up this baby. Um, the only other scenario that I can remember that was similar to this was a spot in Australia, a festival called um, Soul Fest, which had Common, Most Dev, Erica, like so many people all at one time that it was just, I don't know, I guess maybe people were overwhelmed, but at the same time, not worn out by different things. But here, it's like the perfect amount of people, um, the perfect weather, you know, a super high class um, level of, um, what's the word? Bouginess? No, <laughs> viability of, of people, you know, there's not many little, little babies, little, everybody has their own name. <laughs> That's a good point. You know. But yet there's a lot of folks that, you know, you know, are being introduced to people. Absolutely. Like, you know, that that part is special. That, you know, you got people who have audiences out here and certain people just don't know about people. I I met a lot of people who I who didn't know about me and like, oh my God, and now I gotta go check out all your stuff. Or oh, I didn't know you were connected to that. I didn't know you were a part of that or whatever. So just seeing that and engaging with the people is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know? And this being the first like big festival like this after COVID to me is it's, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, that's interesting because I was thinking it's also a, a bunch of folks from I mean, there's L.A. folks and, like, mm -hmm. West Coast folks, but there's also some folks who are real, I don't want to say big in New York, but, mm -hmm. like, like phony people, for instance. Yeah, like, yeah. phony people, these people don't know. Nah. But they found out. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? The, the, that whole Blue Note connection, because the Blue Note scenario, they have it's a whole family of family affair of different artists that rock the Blue Note rec regularly, and phony people are one of them, and, you know, 
Yeah. They're my little brothers. It's great to see them really, really taking hold and, and, and they're giving people what they need. I'm Ayanna Contreras for Vocalo Radio.